Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are here on episode 196. Hope you're doing well. Glad you are joining us. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening for nearly 200 episodes, which you want to stay tuned for that. We've got some great stuff coming for episode 200 in just a couple of weeks. Either way, we are glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us. We've got a lot of stuff that we're going to be covering today. A lot of great information, helping you build and grow your speaking business. So today we've got a special guest for you. Before we get to that, let me remind you about the free training that we offer that you can check out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, you can find that over at freespeakerworkshop.com. If you're looking for a step-by-step game plan, a system, a blueprint to find and book paid speaking gigs, wherever you're at in your journey, whether you're brand new, you've been doing this for a while, you need to check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that's freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, so let's get to today's guest. Today, we are talking with my friend, Chris Hogan, who has arguably one of the best speaking voices all around. You're going to find that out here in just a second. It just draws you in, just that silky smoothness of the voice pulls you in for more. So Chris is a uh, professional speaker. He's been at it for many, many years. We're going to talk about his process for how he creates and delivers presentations. We'll talk about why first-person stories are so important to him. Talk about how important it's been to build an overall platform for his brand, so having a a podcast, having a book. Uh, We talk about how he speaks on a variety of different topics, but make sure that he doesn't go too general, too vague, or too broad. That's one of the things you've heard us talk a lot about. And then finally, uh, Chris is a, a husband. He's a father. So we talk about how he stays balanced with his family with all of his various responsibilities. So a lot to get in here today. So uh, let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Chris Hogan. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Today, we are joined by Chris Hogan who has one of the smoothest, silkiest voices that you will find in all of the land. How are you, man? I am fantastic, man. It's good to be with you. How much of an asset is it having a voice like that? Well, you know what? I can't hide anywhere. <laughs> and it definitely allows me to get people's attention and hopefully keep it for a little while. So it's an asset. Good, 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 good. So we met recently and then realized, actually, we live, uh, I guess, within a couple miles of each other. And we gotta, we're we going to have to cross paths at some point here. And and, yes. uh, and, and make that happen. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. So for people who aren't familiar with you, why don't you give us a quick snapshot of your business and especially the, the speaking side of it, how speaking fits into everything? Sure, sure. Well, I'm one of the Ramsey personalities here at Ramsey Solutions. That's Dave Ramsey's company. I've been a part of Dave's team for 13 years now. And so when I started out, I was coaching pro athletes, entertainers, and musicians. So I would sit with them one-on-one and coach them. And then I started doing some training seminars for sports teams, their wives, helping people on money primarily was the focus. And then it evolved where I started doing leadership events and then money events. And then it really went full on about eight years ago. So I travel all across the country doing corporate events for Fortune 100, 500 companies, walking them through the topics of money or leadership 
or just other areas that they have a need for. And so I'll develop talks based on their needs and then come into the team and deliver them. Nice. So on just in context sake, how many uh, events a year are you doing? I have no idea. The last I counted, it was hitting close to 100 okay. uh, is what I would do. And that's counting our internal event as right. well as external events where I travel for other countries. So I'm a, I stay busy. Okay. You got, your, you got your hands in a few different things. So how did you first get started into to speaking? Because I know you, that you mentioned you were doing some with, with pro athletes and doing mm-hmm. some, something like in that situation. Was that more speaking or was that more like a, a coaching consulting type thing? What was yeah, that early, like? And yeah, how did it become yeah, er- speaking? Yeah. Early on, it became, it was coaching. So it was like me with one-on-one with them or was sitting down with them and their spouses and walking through kind of the financial plan that we help people walk through. And then it morphed into doing trainings. A couple of the guys were like, you need to come in and talk to the rookies. And another guy said, well, you need to come talk to our veterans. And then one's wife said, you need to do a thing for the wives. And so I was doing stuff out in Seattle and in Green Bay and Kansas City and as well as here in Nashville. And it really started to morph. But here's the thing, Grant, for me, I have always been a teacher. And what I mean by that is, even in the banking world, that's what I started off doing was banking. And then from there, you know, you're in charge of small teams, Mm -hmm. and then in charge of offices. And so doing trainings for me was natural. And so I'd get up and do a presentation in front of three, five, 15, 20, 25 people. I didn't think anything about it because all I was doing was having a conversation. Right, right, right. Right. I wasn't doing a a full on speech, as you would so what call it. I was having a conversation to educate people or to help them improve their performance in a certain area. So it just came natural for me. Right, right. So how do you go from that standpoint? Because where I think that's where a lot of people are is yeah, maybe I'm doing some things at, at work or I'm doing something locally and it's something that I enjoy, something I'm good at. I'd love to do more of this. Like we're at the time early on, were you aware that being a speaker was a thing or is it more just kind of like, yeah, you know, I speak locally and I speak something that, you know, at, at my company and that's kind of, it is what it is and I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's no more than that. Or were you aware and looking for how do I make this a bigger thing than what it is currently? No, I really wasn't aware of it. I mean, like I said, I was doing some trainings, right. uh, but when I got connected with Dave, that's where I began to see speaking on a whole nother level. Yeah. Uh, he's a master communicator. Yeah. And so being a part of his team and watching him and being there kind of uh, in a mentoring kind of capacity, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on it, it was what it was. That that's where my eyes begin to get open. People would always make comments about my voice. You know, they're like, dude, you need to do movie trailers or do some voiceovers. And I had done some, but I never saw speaking on the level uh, that it could be until I got here and became part of Dave's team. Do you remember one of the first gigs that you did? Some type of like non-internal gig and, and, and what you did and how it went? Uh, yeah. Oh, I remember. It was, uh, as you would call it, a hot mess. It was one of those where I think my problem looking back on it was, is that I stopped being authentically me and I was trying to be a speaker. Yeah. And it's so hard to stay in character when you don't remain yourself. It's so much easier if you're just you. And so I look back on that one and it's videotaped and I've got the proof. I watched it five times, painfully watched but I became very aware of the things to do, the things to avoid, but to just be naturally myself. And more importantly, for all your listeners out there that I believed in and was passionate on the topic. I think that's a game changer because now you can show your natural enthusiasm and the crowd can pick up on it. I know you mentioned just the the passion for the topic there, but is there anything else as you're, especially if you're watching it today, that you'd look mm-hmm. at and be like, what was I thinking? What was oh. I doing? What were you doing then that you realized you 
were, were, I don't know, just like you said, almost playing a part or playing a character versus what you felt like you should have been doing and just being comfortable in your own skin. Oh gosh, we could listen. Have you ever, if you've ever written anything and you turn it over to an editor and you get it back and there's red all over it, like they bled <laughs> on it, we would bleed on the video. Yeah. I wouldn't even show it to you because it was, it was everything. It was my timing, my pacing. I was trying to give too much information, too many slides, no audience connection. I didn't let the humor like breathe. Yeah. I wasn't naturally flowing in my conversation. And so just all the problems above, uh, the only thing I did right was I stayed awake. I didn't pass out. And I actually gave the people some information that was helpful. Do you think looking back on it now, there's anything that you could have done differently? Because a lot of that stuff, I know you and I, we've both, you know, we kind of talked about this offline a little bit. We've both given hundreds and hundreds of presentations to audiences <clears> of all sizes. And so a lot of those things that you mentioned are things that you just learn with time. Do you right. feel like there's any of those things that you could have done differently from the beginning that would have oh, helped yes. you to make the presentation stronger? Or is it one of the things like, ah, it's always going to be rough in the beginning and you just, you know, time's going to help you get better over the long haul? No, no, that's a great question. I think looking back on it, I would have wrote the whole talk out and then from there went back and went to a full sentence kind of version. Mm -hmm. And then from there into note cards. And I say that reverse like that because then the information is in you. Mm -hmm. Now it's just a matter of recall, right? right? Because as a speaker, it's not just the information and the recall. It's this third element that is absolutely crucial and it's the delivery right? And so I would have done more research on my audience to truly understand where they are, their pain points would have involved them a little bit more. So yeah, there's a lot of things that I could have done better on the front end to set me up for that stage time to be much better. What's your process like today in terms of, let's say you're getting ready to go give a presentation to you know 500 executives at some corporate mm -hmm. event, especially if you're working on, let's say, new material. You mentioned of just kind of reverse engineering of writing it out, manuscripting mm -hmm. it out before going to note cards. What would that process look like for you today if you were doing a new talk? Well, the process would look like, obviously, I'd have my calls with the client. Understanding the theme, understanding the goal of why they're bringing me in, clarifying the topic, what it is they're wanting me to touch base on. I would also gain more insight into speakers that they've had in the past, yeah. those that went well, those that didn't go well. And I'd go full sentence outline now with that, with the examples, the humor, the stories, all of that, and then synthesize that together, practice it out loud, be in front of a camera so I can hear myself and how I'm doing it, and then go back and make tweaks to it from there to finalize it. Now, here's the kicker, though. People here, and I know you know this, when you travel a lot and you're speaking and you're going to these cool cities, everybody's like, oh, man, you got to go see the so-and-so in Chicago <laughs> and the whatchamacallit down in Atlanta. You got to go visit. And I'm like, oh, you don't know my process. You don't, this works. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't know me is what I say, yeah. because when I land in an airport and I get my rental car, I drive to the hotel, I get my clothes out, get them ironed, get them ready. And from there on, I'm rehearsing. Yeah. Like from that time till I go to bed, I get up, I run through it again. I get to the event to do the sound check. I'm practicing until I hit the stage. And then when I get done, I'm back at the airport. Yeah. And yeah. so there's not this a, is not a vacation. You know, this is not a vacation. It's not a fun trip. But I'll tell you what, all of it is worth it yeah. to be able to be on that stage and to see people have what I call the aha moment. The moment that they start to see things differently or start to understand things in a better way, that's when I know that my time was worth it, you know, and it's obviously great to hear feedback from people when you get done. 
but I love to see the eyes. I love to see the eyes light up and for people to start to see possibilities, not just problems. And so one of the things that that you kind of touched on there is it sounds like, are you doing a lot of different talks that you offer or is it more like, <laughs> hey, I've got two, three, four, these are the ones that work, these are the stories that work, these are the bits that work, or yeah. is it just kind of everything's more custom and it's kind of pieced together? What does that look like? Yeah, it is a, a high variety of talks. Uh, you see this gray in my beard, it's there for a reason. The customizing for clients, whether they're dealing with change, whether they're dealing with processes or whatever it is, I try to understand their issue and understand what I can do to help bring the solution. And so all of my external events are customized. Internally, we have typically kind of a range, but I do leadership events here for our entree leadership and I'll teach 20 lessons yeah. over the course of five days. And so again, wide variety, but I think that's the thing that's helped me become more well-rounded that touching on so many different topics has also allowed me to sharpen my skill to be able to focus so much on the delivery, the contents in me. I got to refresh that, but the delivery, because the audience is different every time. Right, right. So just looking at your at the website here, it looks like there's a there's a huge list of different topics that you could present on from business and marketing, real estate, leadership, motivation, money, finance, mm -hmm. health, wellness, education, faith, nonprofit. That's a wide gamut of different topics there. So one of the things I'm curious about is from like a marketing perspective, do you f ever feel like you are speaking on so many things that you're going so wide and not deep on anything that he's kind of, that you're not falling into the, the trap of being the, the jack of all trades, the master of none. Is there, yeah. any, is there any pushback or issue with that? No, I think primarily, if you were to look at it, there are five to six areas I really stay in. The two big ones are money and leadership, yeah. but the leadership one, that's the thing that, that can go down so many other paths sure. because you're building leaders you're helping executives. I go in and speak to executive teams of five to 10, or I can go to a corporate event with 4,000. Yeah. And so that area is big. And then money is my other big one. And, and then I would say add probably personal growth. But as you look at it, you know, especially on leadership, leadership and personal growth, those two are, are intertwined. And, and as you relate with a company's specific issues or challenges, you can customize it based on that. But I, I try to make sure I'm serving people well. The prep time that I spend, the research time that I spend in writing a talk, it can easily be a four-week process for me to get it finalized before I go deliver. Are you tending to start from scratch with each talk that you give mm -hmm. for each audience? I do start from scratch. There may be some humor points that I'll pull over, yeah. but I think starting from scratch is what's allowing me to grow my craft. And what I mean by that is because it speaking is a craft. Totally. Uh, and it is one of those from not just the research side, but also the writing and the development of the talk, but then also the delivery. And so I try to spend, it doesn't work magically every time, but 45 minutes a day researching, looking at current events, uh, seeing what's going on, what are lessons that to be learned from that. And I catalog those things. And I keep a running list each month of the articles that I see that I may go back and blog on or do a vlog, a video blog on something. And it just helps me to stay relevant and also just keenly aware of what's happening. So what's that cataloging process like? So for example, if you are, you know, you're speaking in Dallas, you tell a story, and you're like, that story worked great. I can see a bunch of other contexts where that would work mm -hmm. really well. I don't want it to be just a one and done type of a bit. I know I can use right. that later. But you do that enough events and enough different venues and enough different places, and you've got a good bank of stuff that you can pull from, whether it's you know something funny or a story or an anecdote or a stat or whatever it may be. Right. What's that cataloging system look like to keep reference of those things? Well, I can tell you, for me, uh, you know, in the beginning, I sat down 
And I thought, okay, what are the stories that I've lived through in my life that are relatable, yeah. right? What are some things that are funny? And so I sat down and over a course of like four months, I made a running list of stories, whether it's about me and my dog, me and the kids, yeah. it just made a catalog. Then from the, the stat side of things, whether it's dealing in money or dealing in leadership, keeping a running list of those. So I kept a running list that allowed me to kind of go back through and peruse my library when it came time to build a talk. Yeah. And so I'm pulling from pieces from here, here and here where I've already got these pieces and now I'm developing something brand new. And so that's a, the part of it that I think can be magical. But as you know, you travel, you spend enough time in hotels and airports when you're sitting and listening to music or watching a movie, you'll have this thought of, oh my gosh, this will work really well here. Right. So on my phone and my, my tablets, I keep a note section in there. Uh, one is for talking and then boom, I keep going with the stories, the thoughts and the ideas. So it's a constant process where I don't ever allow myself to get stagnant. I'm always pushing myself to grow. Right. One of the things that you mentioned there is stories and especially first person stories of things that have happened with your, you know, with your, with your boys, with your family, with your spouse, any of those type of things. Uh, I'm curious, like, why do you find that like first person stories are more effective and more powerful for you versus like, you know, let me tell you about XYZ company over here, or let me tell you about mm -hmm. this story from, you know, the 1800s, which may be a great story and maybe right. a powerful story, but what's so powerful for you about telling a, a first person story that you've lived? I think it really boils down to one word and it's relatability. Yeah. People want to know what you've experienced. I think moreover, people want to know that you've made mistakes too. Sure. And especially in the leadership realm, you know, it's very rare that I'm telling the story that I was the hero. I'm typically pointing the finger on something that I did wrong, but also what I learned from it. And I think that's me. You know, if I summed up my whole speaking career in one word, I would hope people would call me a coach. Because a coach is someone that helps people to get better mm -hmm. and they push you, they'll challenge you, they cheer for you, they encourage you. But that's what I try to do from stage. So I think talking about my mistakes and what I learned from it and, the, you know, those stories really help. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll use other stories here and there. But the relatability is the thing that I think is the magic with the audience. Right, right. Is that something that you feel like, again, has come with you over time? Or is that something that you feel like a speaker could intentionally work at? Like, how do you better relate to an audience where, you know, I, I, I've seen this and I know you've seen this as well of speakers who they're on stage and they're very robotic and they're very, um, mm -hmm. they're just so deep in their own head thinking about what comes next that they miss the moment of just being fully present with that audience. So again, do you feel like that's something that just comes with time or is that something that you feel like you've intentionally worked towards or how does the speaker become more relatable to an audience that they're speaking to? Well, I would say, I mean, for me, being around Dave, growing up listening to Zig Ziglar, right. John Maxwell, these guys are all master communicators. For me, they are connecting with people, sure. whether it's through a, a DVD, an audio or live. So I wanted to do that. Right. We've all sat through horrible talks before. We've all been in college where you're looking at the clock and you could swear it's going backwards. Right. Like you're like, clock's <laughs> supposed to be going this other direction. This professor is killing me, right? And so for me, it was one of those things I was like, all right, you know what? If I'm ever up talking, I'm going to keep people engaged and somewhat entertained, yeah. right? I, I think you can have fun, work hard and learn. And so for me, it was very intentional. Yeah. I don't ever want to be boring. I don't want anyone to ever hear me and say, well, I wish that guy had been a little bit more passionate. You know, I wish that guy would have would have relaxed a little bit. No, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have energy because that's what I would want if, if I were watching someone else. 
So I want to shift gears for a second. I know that you've got your hand in a bunch of different things beyond just speaking. So you host, is it just one podcast or you have two podcasts? No, I just have one. Don't okay. put that on me. All Don't right, get right. me one at a time. One at a time. <laughs> one, one podcast. You've got a successful yes. book. You're, you know, you're yeah. on the radio from time to time. You've got, you just have your hands in a variety of different things. So I'm curious, how has having all of these different pieces uh, affected and I guess basically raised the level of your platform and thus affected your speaking? Oh, I think being a part of this team with so many things going on, you know, I've got my publicist sitting in here with me who's working on things. I've got people involved. So it's a team effort. Right. So whenever I go out and speak, you know, people see me, they don't see all the other people behind the scenes. Sure. And so that team mentality is a big deal to me. I'm a sports guy. I grew up playing them. I know the value of team. And so in that mindset, I think, you know, when you have good people working with you, and your focus, number one, I don't want to let them down when I get out on stage. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that I'm bringing my A game. But that's what they're doing with me as well. Yeah. And so it's one of those things, you know, it goes back to leadership, right? A good leader takes the blame and shares all the credit, right? And, and that's that mindset. And I think even as a speaker, if you're a team of one or 21, just understanding that, hey, how can I be inclusive in the things that we're doing? And I think it starts with our language. For example, I was talking to a guy, he's got 1,500 employees, as he calls them. I call them teammates, yeah. right? We've got a semantic difference there. Yeah. But he kept talking about, you know, the people that work for me and the people that work for me and for me. And it, it started, Grant, grating my nerves, yeah. right? Yeah. And, it, and I was like, oh my gosh, if this guy says for me one more time, I'm I think I'm gonna put him in a headlock, right? I wouldn't do that because I go to jail. My publicist have to get me out. But I thought about it because for me, it's not working for you. It's working with you. One of them means ownership. The other one is team. And I think when you have that as part of your DNA, you see it and you feel it. But I think more importantly, with the people that I work with, they know that I value them. They know that I need them, but more importantly, they know I want them around me and on this team. And I think when people feel valued, then the best can come out of them. But it starts at the top. You have to be that kind of individual that treats people that way. And I'm talking from waiter to waitress to flight attendant to bellhop, just being a respecter of individuals and know that all of them have a family and they're all working hard. Everybody's got a job to do. I just want to do mine to the best of my ability so I don't let my team down. Now, to be devil's advocate, there's plenty of people that are going, listen, I'm drinking what you're selling here. This sounds great, but I don't have a team, right? right. I would, you know, I would, I'm getting started with speaking and I'm trying to get the ball rolling and I'm, I'm working a full-time job and I'm also hustling on the side to build this thing. And I would love to have, you know, some of those additional resources to be able to help me to build my speaking business, to build my platform. What would you say to that person who's just trying to, just trying to make it work in the early stages of just grinding it out? Well, I would say this, there are a lot of elements, even in the beginning, as you're starting out, Practicing the spirit of gratitude doesn't mean you need five people around you. That means you're aware and you could start with your home team, uh, uh, your spouse or your kids. That starts at being in a restaurant with a waiter or a waitress. Gratitude is not difficult and you don't need a team to practice it. But as you're starting out, it's a matter of, of really being clear on what it is you want to accomplish. Yeah. And with that, even if you are working a full-time job, Listen, if this is a craft you're wanting, if this is something you want to do and you're passionate about it, you're going to have to put in the time. I don't know anybody that's achieved anything of success without some sacrifice. And that's me and you. You know that as we traveled, we missed out on some family stuff. We missed out on some fun type stuff. Why? Because it was for the sake of the mission. And so if you're serious about it, I want you to spend the time, get some people around you, get plugged into the right kinds of resources that are going to help you to grow as an individual, but also to help you hone your craft. There are many good books out there. There are a lot of good podcasts out there. 
what I would encourage people to do is to set up a plan. What are you going to do? Turn the TV off, click on a podcast, open up a book, and let's get started. Yeah. So one of the things that you touched on there was the importance of family. I know that you're a huge family guy as well as I am. And the nature of speaking especially is that you have to leave your family. You have to get on a plane. You have to go somewhere. And that can be tiring. That can be draining. That can be exhausting. There are times where the spouse doesn't understand, the kids don't understand. So how do you, as much as you're traveling, how do you stay connected with your family and keep it all, all balanced? For me, it boils down to scheduling. We spend time, you know, we sit down, we do a budget at the beginning of the month, but as much time as we spend on budget, we also talk about calendar. And, you know, we've got an awesome calendar, family calendar that helps us to see what's going on. And then it's a matter of setting expectations. For example, I have been running since January, right? But when I have downtime, guess what? I'm down. Like if I can be at home, I'm at home. Also, everyone knows, you know, they know dads wants, wants to be at home. But they also know I'm working to be able to help as many people as I can, but to also be able to take care of my family. It's in that order. I never get the two confused. But then when I do have downtime that's coming up, you know, here in about a few weeks, that's where I will unplug a little bit more. I will take some time off and really just kind of recharge my battery. It's about being intentional when I'm on as well as off, but then helping people to understand kind of the reality, the expectations and blocking it out enough that everyone's able to see and it's not a surprise. Yeah, the reality of speaking is it can be very cyclical and there are seasons and months Mm -hmm. that are very, very busy. And then there's months where there's there's just dead, there's nothing going on. December, January, nothing's happening with speakers, right? And which <laughs> is, is great, right? And so just managing that and realizing that December, January may be dead, but March, April may be slammed. And that's just part of it. That's just the way it is. And so it recognizing is. that balance there. And I would say this also be mindful as if, if you're a speaker, you can control your schedule. Sure. And, and what I mean by that is to be able to identify, hey, these dates that we're going to uh, block off for birthdays or or yeah. travel or whatever, block those off. And then when people inquire to see if you're available, you, you're able to look out and let them know, hey, I'm available on the 5th and the 6th, but the 7th, 8th, 9th, I'm not. And if their event is on the 8th, then people got to make big boy, big girl decisions. Yeah. Like you've either got to get go get permission. Now, don't mess with the calendar without talking to the family. Okay, you have a situation. I've had a couple of those. You don't want them. Or that company might be able to look and understand what they can adjust. But be open and honest. Have the communication. But you're right. When you have those downtimes, be all in. Be focused. Take your kids to the movie. Take them out to eat. Be at home and be 100% present. This is another thing I'm, I'm passionate about. People talk about this idea of balance, right? Have you heard that phrase, Grant? Sure, sure. Balance, right? And to me, it's fictitious. You can't be 100% balanced in everything. That's Narnia, right? It doesn't exist. But what I can do is be 100% present. Meaning when I go home and I'm driving down my lane, I'm no longer leadership expert. I'm no longer money expert or author or coach. You know who I am? I'm turning into dad and husband. And as I roll up that lane and I get there and the phone goes in my bag, I step out of that car or that truck. That's who I am. I'm 100% present. And I think if more people can do that, you don't make yourself feel guilty about the things that you missed. And the kids won't keep score on the things that you didn't get to see. Because when you were there, you got to see them, you got to connect with them, and they understand who you are, and you know them. Yeah, very well said. Your kids don't care how many people you speak to. They don't care how many people you influence. They just want to know that you're a good dad, that you're a good husband. And uh, those are the things that ultimately uh, really matter. That's exactly right, my friend. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to share this with us. We we really do appreciate it. People want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? Well, they can go all things Chris Hogan by going to chrishogan360.com. 
That's chrishogan360.com. There's information in there about my show, about my videos and events, as well as my books. Cool. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. Hey, buddy. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Hogan. Again, great stuff from Chris. And again, I told you, you had a great voice, huh? Deep, smooth. I, I can't even try. Why are you trying, Grant? Don't even try. Hey, once again, reminder that if you're looking for that step-by-step plan on how to find and book paid speaking engagements, you definitely want to check out our workshop over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, you'll find that over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, like I mentioned to you, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up here in the next few weeks. You don't want to miss the next three weeks. I'm looking ahead here on the calendar. You really don't want to miss the next five weeks, okay? Next week, I got a big announcement. The week after, we got another big announcement. Two weeks after that is our... 200th episode. And then the week after that, we have a a very, 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 very special guest. So we've got a lot coming at you here in the next few weeks. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You don't want to miss a single episode. So make sure you subscribe and we will catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome.